Welcome to the 3B3 Podcast, a weekly look at the world of hockey with your hosts, Cassie, Pat, and Patrick. So, Seattle made some waves at the NHL entry draft. They, uh, oh boy, this organization, gotta love them. They went in and basically demanded, demanded, didn't ask nicely, demanded that they get the entry draft, their expansion draft, and the all-star game in their first year. And said, threw a tantrum, effectively, and told the league that's what they wanted. And the league's response was, and I'll clean up the language some, (laughs) you haven't even named your team yet. Name your team and we'll talk. So... (laughs) They uh, they didn't make many friends there, and there's a lot of speculation that it was um, Bruckheimer pushing those buttons about wanting to get those events in the arena immediately. So yeah, there's 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 a little bit of friction going on with the fact they haven't named the Gooey Ducks yet. <laughs> well. Despite their um, maturity level in the situation, um, I actually think it's kind of a brilliant idea. They just haven't learned how to play ball with all the, you know, 200 hockey men yet. Oh, yeah. Like like you say, shoot your shot. And I don't have a problem with them going in and wanting it. It's just uh, from everything that I was told, the way they asked, it wasn't an ask. Yeah. Now, Vegas... When they joined, you didn't have to sell anyone on Vegas. It was an instant attraction all of its own. I think there's enough intrigue in Seattle, but to pull in all these events to get people, you know, basically an expansion draft and an entry draft kind of leads you into the summer and it gets you talking about physically being in the building. Although... I mean, what what's the latest projected timeline? Would they even be done by June? Yeah, of twenty twenty, they will. The, well, they're saying it would be ready for a draft by twenty twenty. I mean, and it's have feasible. everything but like the locker rooms and the press box and stuff done. It, kind of, yeah. Well, they'd have the majority of the press box press area done. It'd, it'd be not fit and finished. There'd still be some stuff to, to complete. Like, I don't think they'd probably have the slab down for the for the ice yet. Mm. That kind of, I mean, some stuff would not be done by June, but. And that, and that makes sense. I mean, I, I hear this and I think um, they know that they're holding all the cards. The NHL has wanted a team in Seattle since 1974 when they first gave uh, an expansion franchise to, I don't remember the guy's name. Um, and they had to jerk the application because this guy wasn't making his, like, um, his payments on it. And so they were supposed to, Seattle was supposed to have a team in 1976, starting with pretty much every other, like, sport in Seattle, pro sport. Um, and the NHL's just been like foaming at the mouth ever since wanting to put a team in Seattle. So, well, that just, the fact that it's taken them that long on to tell you how much interest there was here in Seattle and hockey. It was, it was an arena thing though. It was mostly an arena thing. No, I don't buy that. I don't buy that. You think so? No, I don't buy that one bit. I don't know. I've heard stories about the Ackerleys. (laughs) Well. Most of which are true because boy, were they a piece of work. Um, but no, Ackerley's wanted everything out of that, everything out of the key just for themselves for the Sonics. But no, that wasn't, well, that's it, the... wasn't it wasn't just an arena thing, though, no. right? Well, I mean, they wanted to build a, a new arena where Safe well, T Mobile Park, sorry, now stands, which was the uh, south lot of the kingdom, and the city wouldn't build it for him. So they, uh, from what I understand, they, they um, got to plan out Key Arena and they were spiteful and just made it for basketball. So, 
I mean, that's why the Thunderbirds left. They did, they couldn't play in Key Arena. They got their own arena in Kent, the yeah, Kent but Thunderbirds. But that's nearly 20 years after the totems. What I'm saying is there was a long time they had to put an NHL franchise here, and there was little to no interest in any ownership group in putting a franchise here, regardless of the arena stuff. Because the Ackerley renovation on the key was started like... 90s. Mid-late mid, mid late 90s. So, I mean, yeah. it's almost 20 years afterwards. So Yeah, you're right. So, um, interesting choice of words about um, removal of that. They, they had to jerk it out from them. Yeah. A lot of jerks running around the NHL, aren't there, lately? <laughs> Plenty of them. Plenty Some of them are branded, even. Uh-huh. Boy, howdy. A lot of jerks running around the NHL. I'm not God. sure. I'm not sure who's the jerkier of the jerks. The jerks or the jerks who jerk. <laughs> well, branded jerks. When it when it gets down to it, they're just the jerkiest bunch of jerks that ever jerked. So you just gotta leave it at that. Just but it my... does make the league a much interesting place. Oh yeah. Well, so it, much more interesting. Just reminds me of the Simpsons episode where. Homer's talking to Mo. Yeah, Mo, that sh- team sure did suck last night. They were They're the suckiest the suck. bunch, of bunch of sucks that ever sucked. Yeah. 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 Mm, Homer. Um, <laughs> I'm I'm a bit disappointed that that the jerks didn't hang on. And I know I know we tend not to delve into current topics or current events. <gasps> I know, but I'm just kind of disappointed they didn't hold off actually announcing they were going to match and. Until you know, a few days later. Well, I know they they announced it, but they they also said they weren't going to like do anything about it until the end of the week. Yeah, but that, what I'm saying is they shouldn't even announced it because that that opens you know Montreal still got that money tied up technically. Mm-hmm. Um, but not even if had they not even announced it, it just would have really put the screws to it, and it could have made all these Montreal fans no not all of them the haveaholics the the squeaky wheels you know the one out of one million squeaky wheels i think it'd be one out of one thousand if you're talking montreal uh we'll split the difference one out of a (laughs) hundred thousand okay so thankfully i was out of town for this announcement uh i was out of town for all of free agency which I'm grateful for after seeing, hearing about all the back and forth between Ab's Twitter and Kane's Twitter, which just just what you want in the off season. Oh, the battle days. Oh, just the pettiness. Um, I it would have been lovely to just see that the Canes tease the entire league. But I think for the sake of their own fan base and their own ticket reps, I think they did the right thing. Yeah. Um, and it sure made, you know, two, Monday, Tuesday a little more entertaining. Um, so the offer sheet was announced probably, what, 45 minutes after the signing window opened, and then two and a half hours after the window opened, Waddell had his press conference where he's just kind of teasing the fact uh, that he was going to match the Sebastian Ajo offer sheet from the Montreal Canadiens. And even now, pe- people are just kind of up in arms over, well, what was the point of the offer sheet if it was this low and I can't believe we were already criticizing it. I think Mark Bersvin was a genius in this move. I loved it. Oh, the I... drama on Twitter was like, it was ramped up hugely. Everybody was like, oh, 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 offer sheet, offer sheet. Oh my God, we have an offer sheet. <laughs> I, I know it was, it was sort of akin to the warning klaxon going off that hasn't gone off in a decade. And everyone running around trying to figure out what to do. And then when they saw what was going on, then trying to make sense of what was going on. I'm of two minds. I, I can't. 
I, I keep pulling in your 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 noted phrase of shooting your shot, Pat, and I'm mm-hmm. going. If that's the best shot they were going after for Sebastian Ajo, that's not a great shot. Yeah, that was. I, I was looking at that, thinking, is is Bergevin just doing this for the notoriety, or is I, he actually I, just trying to help out Carolina? I'm not quite sure what he's doing with this. I, I don't know. I don't. You know, this there's there's so many. This is the onion of offer sheets. Because there's just so mm-hmm. many layers, right? Was he was he doing it because they're believing their own hype that Dundon's cheap, you know, and that's why they front loaded it the way they did. Were they trying to poke that bear to see, you know, that kind of stuff? All the hype over, you know, Carolina being a bad market and losing all this money. You know, I love the people posting, you know, the revenue losses out of Forbes magazine. Like they lost three million last year. Whoa! Start the alarm bells. Three million. Mm-hmm. You know, creative accounting people learn, learn how to do it. Um, I don't know. I just don't. You know, he's Bergevin's noted as saying that the uh, that the um, compensation levels for the offer sheets sort of get out of whack above a certain range. Right? Is there any player? any player outside of Connor McDavid that you would give up four first round draft picks for. I don't know if I'd even do that for Connor McDavid. (laughs) That, that silence answers that question, right? You'd have no problem giving $10 million to Mitch Marner, but would you give up four draft picks for Mitch Marner? Well, four draft picks and 10 million a year. We'll, we'll set the 10 million aside. Would you give up four draft picks to trade for Mitch Marner if he was under contract? Absolutely not. Right. Nope. So that's why, and and Bergevin has kind of said along those lines that, you know, especially in today's day and age of the NHL, where where a lot of these first-round kids, down into the teens even, are NHL-ready, that's, you know, an entry-level contract of a player that's going to make an impact so that you can pay, you can offset and pay someone else $10 million a year because you've got someone else that's a higher skill level on a, on, a, on a controlled salary for three years. So giving up those sort of high-end draft picks in some cases is just, it's off-putting. Which is the entire point because the NHL doesn't really want them, want the uh, offer sheets happening. Where right. the owners don't. Well, it, I don't know what they want because if if you go for those mid twenty guys that are the you know middle six, you get them in at five six million. It's a it's a couple. I forget what the compensation is, but it's like second and third rounds. And you're like, yeah, I can. God, yeah, because those you know first rounds are are an, an entirely different level. Second and third are swapped around all the time. Don't I don't know I I don't know. I I genuinely believed that he wanted to try and get him. I just don't think that was how he wanted to get him. If that makes any sense. Can we discredit the idea that I've seen floated a couple times that this is a a future, I don't know, piece of candy set out there for Aho in five years. The idea that he shot his shot, he knew it wasn't, you know, it was it was a 50-50 proposition because he clearly can't read and half the NHL media and kind of fan bases think Carolina's owner's kind of crazy or loopy, where really he's just an aggressive businessman who has very strong um, process processes built in where everything is based around value. So there was a team that didn't value Jeff Skinner last August and traded him away for pennies on the dollar, but created a you know, a salary hole and having extra cap room was more valuable to the franchise than keeping the player. You can argue whether losing a player that scores 30 goals for you or not was crazy, but 
You know, it was just one of many dominoes that they did last summer that seemed to help them uh, make their way into the playoffs. And I think everyone presumes the owner is cheap because he won't pay a coach or a GM the going market rate, which I kind of like, not necessarily just as a Canes fan, but when you think about it, coaching is way overrated in hockey. It's, I mean, the game is overcoached. We've talked about this in past episodes. Um, you know, everyone is just inflating, inflating salaries where, you know, Florida isn't going to win or lose in the playoffs because of Joel Quinville. You know, he is just a small factor. It all comes down to talent on the roster. So I do like that Mark Rosevan went after a talented player. He just misread Tom Dundon when all is said and done. And all his cohorts should be thanking him because he did not, you know, throw a crazy offer to drive up all RFA salaries at the end of the day. Well, yeah, I mean, he made him an offer that... Well, I'm not going to say he made him an offer. I'm going to say the agent threw an offer that Bergevin found appealing. And I, you know, that's why I say this is like the onion because God, I, I think that agent played Bergevin too. Oh, absolutely. He totally did. He totally did. So, uh, but I mean, it wouldn't, wouldn't be the first time that Montreal got, got, Wrong information. <laughs> Got wrong information. Um, so when I was blogging for the Tampa, about the Tampa Bay Lightning, I remember this one time. I may I I may have spoken about this in a previous episode. Um, I think I did actually. But there were a couple of players that were out injured, and one was going to be out for months. And the original projected date was, that he would come back was January. And the Montreal media was sitting there saying he wouldn't be back until January and for like a game preview. And on the Tampa Bay Lightning website, their front page, it said he'd be back in early December. Oh, yeah, yeah, I remember this. I do remember, <laughs> yes. Yeah. So it's, you know, they, they don't necessarily fact check is what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah I just. I don't know. I don't know. It, yeah, says, it, was, it says a lot about both sides at the end of the day. It was yeah. a very strange scenario all the it, way around. It really was. And, and now starting to see the, the, the burbles of Marner actually getting offer sheeted is just watching it send Toronto into a frenzy is just hysterical. Because <laughs> there's nothing, as as a proponent of chaos, and as someone who loves to tweak Toronto and Montreal fan bases, oh my god, it's just been like the perfect week. You know, you you start off with Montreal getting tweaked, and then the whole freaking stalking of Kawhi Leonard, and now there's rumblings that Marner's going to get offer sheeted. And there's two offer sheets in place and blah, blah, blah. And, oh, oh God, I just watched. I love watching it. Because I will say this again. It's the vast majority of fans do not have this problem. It's the squeaky wheel syndrome that I love tweaking. And there, I just sometimes I put the little electric trolling motor on the front of my account and just let it take me where it's going to take me. <laughs> I got to poke sometimes. Because it's, I, I go I go with Zorg, you know, chaos, you know, destruction. That's life. <laughs> destruction is life. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I like I said, the whole thing was just strange. <laughs> I don't. It, I don't get. I mean, there's so many plausible scenarios, it's hard to actually sit there and think, okay, it's probably that one. <laughs> you know? You, well, just, you I, just don't know. I don't think it was one. I think, you know, it's it's always like when you hear a story from two different people, the truth is often somewhere in between those two stories. Right. I think the truth is somewhere in between all of this. You know, it may have been a little bit, a little of this, a little of this, a little of this. Um, 
but it's just the fact that all of those little things are potentially part of it is what makes it more intriguing and confusing to a certain degree. Cause and that, go ahead. And that's a good thing. We need yeah. less cut and dry. Like I love, so we can peel back, peel back the onions and talk about how Carolina is just grinding every negotiation and every player for the last year and a half. Give or take. We can also, you know, look at, I love what Ajo's agent did to get exactly what they want, and they did it early. Now he can move on to bigger things. Um, well, that's what Waddell was saying. He was sitting there saying, I, I'm, I'm glad this is done because I don't have to worry about a whole summer of negotiations. Yeah. Or I got the rest of my summer off. Yeah. And when some of the local fan base here in Carolina has already... The, they're pulling a leaf, like there's a leaf syndrome where we're already concerned about five years out from now. But when you turn back the clock five years and look at the state of the franchise versus where it is now, it's completely different. We don't know what's going to transpire or happen, but 10 years minus playoffs, like one great spring isn't going to immediately erase everyone's mind, uh, eternal sunshine style. So it's, uh, it's kind of funny to see that the switches flipped where, you know, Carolina fans, we like to needle Toronto, but we're acting just like them as a oh, collective. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And so we get into petty feuds, apparently. I didn't see any of this online. I, I was just kind of on the fringes because uh, I was on vacation this past week. But, uh, yeah, it, ma- it makes it more fun for, for me, at least, because... It, it's good to have some heat directed at you. It's good to throw some back the other way, but because I mean, it, if we were just sitting here and there was no offer sheet and there was just negotiations going back and forth until let's say mid August, I mean, where's the fun in that, right? Where's the f- exactly? Yeah, I mean, people love to speculate. It's it's you know, tell tell stories to themselves about how teams can do this or do that. Um, a, a favorite of mine, and I say this sarcastically favorite, are the people who, who sit there and, and come up with trade scenarios to trade away all the people on their team that they think sucks, but somehow thinks that another team finds them valuable. Well, I... And I mean, I, I and it is it is true that does happen. I'm not saying it doesn't. I was but say, there's a logical inconsistent logical inconsistency going on there is what I'm saying. I don't know because to be fair, some of the GMs out there have proven a lot of these people right. Well, yeah, I mean, GMs will GM. Right. <laughs> Two hundred hockey men got a hockey men. Yep. You know when you when you hear people like Paul Fenton. Talk about he loved it because all of the guys that walked up to his table to beat him were taller than him. You just kind of go, yeah, okay, and your point. <laughs> and somehow Matt Zuccarello still agreed to a contract with that gentleman. That's because of you know <laughs> he's, he's part gecko apparently. <clears throat> Are those common in Nor- Norway? Geckos? Yeah. Yeah. Who knows? Yeah. I wouldn't think the climate would be uh, conducive to get. Yes, conducive. That was the word I was searching for. Can you tell I've been on vacation? My brain, you know, the 10% brain function that I usually have is down to one. <laughs> oh. I thought that was just because you were a parent of two children. Exactly. And I traveled with both of them. <laughs> oh, oi, oi, Meshuggah, as my friend used to say. Well, I mean, I still probably could have signed, you know, better deals than the Pittsburgh Penguins did this week. Ow. Oops. How's that for a transition? Oops. Well, you know, when you got to pay everyone and Werther's Originals. (laughs) Got some hard candy on my desk for you here. One of my least favorite impressions in hockey. I know. It's because you know the man. I do know the man. But, but 
I think the Werther's original bit would work if you went with more of a Wilford Brimley voice. Yeah. And, low and, and deep. I, I haven't workshopped my Wilford Brimley. I've been too focused on getting my Morgan Freeman down. Mm, priorities. Well, yes. Well, there it was. <laughs> driving the trade market. And you go, damn, why is he driving the trade market like that? Yeah. <laughs> so kinda... when Paul Fenton is thinking these ideas and thoughts through his head, he must be thinking he's doing it in a Morgan Freeman voice, but instead he he's probably more likely to do it in a carrot top when it comes out. Oh my God. Now I gotta go find that quote and see if I can do it in a Morgan Freeman or not. <clears throat> there it was. Just sticking his tongue out like a lizard. <laughs> there was a Jamie Ben joke in there somewhere. I know. That's oh, why. Oh, yes, there were. Yeah, that's, that's why I retweeted that and said, now I understand why there was an issue with him and Ben. Um, <clears throat> <laughs> Because there were apparently some people were saying, not apparently, there were some people saying that there may have been issues between the two of them, and that was part of genuinely the genuinely so. But yeah, the yeah. joke was made. Oh yeah, yeah. So that just opened up the whole, you know, Jamie Ben joke. Yeah, thank you, Paul Fenton, for teeing that one up for all of us out there. <laughs> I, you know, not that there wasn't, not that there wasn't a lack of material to be um, used for making fun of various teams, but. Damn, you just send like the golden ticket softball right over the plate for that one. Mm-hmm. And speaking of crazy owners, Craig Leopold, is he approaching uh, Melnick territory? Because, I mean, I have to imagine he was kind of the driver for that signing. I don't know. A thir- another 31-plus-year-old player who, while he can still produce... Um, you know, a five-year deal. Like, yeah, here's a team that I think made some good choices and got younger assets at the trade deadline, and then they go and pull this and sign a deal that will still expire before Parisian Suter. <laughs> so, so there is a slim bright side. But... That and that has something going for it. How? <laughs> Um, that's like, isn't that kind of like saying, well, we're the D. Pietro deal expires before the Bobby Bonilla deal does? Yes. <laughs> yeah. It's, yeah, it's kind of like, wait, what? <laughs> well, it just makes you wonder when Armageddon's really going to happen. First, <laughs> we thought it was, you know, 2000, then it was 2012. Maybe it's the Parisi and Suter deals, or maybe it's, you know, Dude, it's already been. happened. Where have you been? <laughs> it's almost like saying, look on the good side. You don't have syphilis. But, you know, <laughs> it's just it's just gonorrhea. So, yeah. You're okay. <laughs> I was in parts of the country that Tim Thomas may or may not have been hiding in. So, my nah. perspective might be a little Oregon? bit. Oregon? <laughs> nah. Nah. I was... not, not Colorado. No. Yeah. No, not, not near that Supermax prison? Oh, God, no. Mm-mm. Yeah. Okay, oh, places he was allegedly in the past. Yes. Okay. So yeah, I think I think this is one of those he's going to become Bigfoot just through legend. <laughs> <laughs> because when someone does see him, he's just gonna be like this hairy thing. Right? And they'll be like, Oh my god, that's Bigfoot. No, it's Tim Thomas. Same thing, you know. <laughs> Because uh, because we're gonna make the myth reality. Well, that was Rick, Rick DiPietro until he retired. <laughs> if we're gonna be talking about <laughs> mythical creatures. <laughs> no, no, he was he's the best U.S. born goaltender who overtrained. Mm-hmm. Was too much of an athletic fanatic and blew out his groins. But how many consecutive games has Phil Kessel played? Right. Exactly. But he's not a goalie. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. I think, well, I've seen enough beer league goalies to say that you need a little bit of extra on there for when you turn, uh, twist your torso, just so that, you know, things don't rip immediately, which was DPHO's problem. 
Glass Although jar. he had groin issues. Um, Glass yeah. jaw. <laughs> yeah. There's a, there's a lot of he he was he was spun glass in a lot of ways. <laughs> you know, it, it must be nice to be a physical specimen, but a little meat on the bones, you know, give you self preservation. Exactly, which is why I've never suffered any of the. I'm, sh- I'm going to shut up now. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you realized that I, wasn't going to be terribly flattering, huh? No, not so much. <laughs> I I've I've played I. I've danced with the devil in the pale moonlight in that uh, situation before where I tried to jinx myself and say, I've never broken a bone. I've never suffered more than a strained rotator cuff um, to my I shoulder. I've never a bone, so, you know, you can borrow some of mine if you need them. Well, I, I have a feeling my kids are going to break my bones for me. Not their own. They're going to break mine. <laughs> um and I like to think I'm in decent shape, decent health, but you know, I am no, I am no uh, professional athlete. Let me put it that way. <laughs> yeah, I'm a professional something, but it's not a professional athlete. Yeah, I like to say I've got body by Microsoft. <laughs> that's what twenty years of working there will do to you. You said the words out loud. Yes, I did. So back to crazy ownership for a second. So I'm my mind's going down a rabbit hole. So I went, you know, from Dundon to Leopold, and I'm now I'm thinking of Tom Lights down in Dallas. And I'm wondering how soon is it that the team ends up paying one hundred million dollars in actual salaries this season? So they're currently under the salary cap, but they are at $88.9 million in actual dollars they're going to give out. Oh, because of the front-loaded contract stuff. I see what you're saying. Yeah. And they just happen to take on big money deals that are low low on cap number. Like, I could see them acquiring, you know, a 3-4 defenseman at the trade deadline that, you know, is in the last year or two of his deal if this, you know, if the cap number was low. Hmm. My first uh, my first inclination would be to say it's always going to be Toronto. Because <laughs> you know, they'll front load these deals to to the end of the earth to try and get these guys in. Damn. I don't even know what they're at right now. I mean, I know they're under the cap, but just barely. Well, I don't, I don't know what their like per year salary output is. Oh, there so, it is. Haha. They're at 93 million. Yeah, I was kind of disappointed and that's before Marner, so they're yep. they're going to hit 100 million. Yep. Oh, that's a shame. Yeah, I would it's it's always the answer is almost always got to be Toronto because if they no. can't if they can't spend their way out of a problem, they don't know how to solve it. Yeah. In the back of my mind, I was thinking, well, he might be right, but how much of that's just going to end up getting buried in the miners and not count? Because I mean, they have already spent more than a hundred million dollars in a season on just players. They had to have last year. Well, hang on. I'm I'm looking up past payroll. I don't know because the Are you just talking about like um the NHL squad? Or are you talking about their contract their fifty contracts limit? Or I, I would about... say their fifty contracts limit for sure, just by the number of contracts that they buried. Unfortunately, um let's see. I mean, Horton was really the only one that's buried, buried because they dumped the Clarkson. Yeah, and I guess last year, the first year under uh, Dubis, they didn't they didn't rope island anyone. Now, uh, no, no one knew. Yeah, but I mean, they do flex their muscles on AHL deals. And they carry three extras, no matter how close to the uh, cap ceiling they are. Yeah, man, that'd be funny because Horton comes off next year. 
Yeah. So it looks like they only spent about $79 million last year. Um, only. Yeah. yeah. They, can, they can spend $79 million on me. I'll be happy with that. They can spend a tenth of that on me, and I'll... Yeah, that too. <laughs> Just got to divvy it up. Divvy it up between the three of us, and we'd be fine. Mm-hmm. I would find a way to survive in this ridiculously low tax, you know, this there's no tax day. Oh, my God. I'm so sick and tired of hearing about the tax. The issue. income tax. I know. Oh, yeah. No, I know. Yeah. I think it's the most ridiculous thing ever. Because, yeah. yes, our state does not have a sales or does not income have tax. income tax. Guess where we make it up with, folks? So Property so. taxes. <laughs> Try buying anything up here. Have fun. Oh, but they don't live there. <laughs> okay. Six months out of the year, they do. Yes, they do. And they're <laughs> Have still fun with working, that. And they're still working out of 40 or 30 other cities, and that gets factored in. Great. Exactly. Oh, they don't have a state income tax here. No, we don't. My sales tax is 10%. <laughs> Try buying anything. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And if that were the case what's been florida's excuse over the past five years exactly say. oh know? yeah i mean because things are cheap in florida on top of them having no sales tax but yeah what's the story with the florida panthers at that point yeah. and it's not like they're they're down in you know south miami where i'm sure prices are astronomical compared to sunrise fort lauderdale where they're more reasonable shrunk I, <laughs> I mean, we're just going to start emoting or uh, um, emoji an- emoji names. Our emojis. Yes. <laughs> like um, Upside down smiley face. <laughs> <laughs> Winky eye. <laughs> yeah, I mean, well, Tampa, Tampa's. Well, it wasn't. It wasn't as expensive as Fort Lauderdale, but that might have changed since I last lived there. But yeah, I mean, you know, it just doesn't even make any sense. I, I've always, I've always hated that argument. Oh, people will go work in the U.S. instead of Canada because there's less tax, and people will go like to teams in income tax-free states because there's less tax. And it's like they'll get you in other ways. They'll get you they, exactly. They'll get <laughs> they you. They always get their ways. money. <laughs> they'll they'll always get your they'll always get their money. But guess what? If you hire the right people, they'll get less of it no matter where you live. And mm-hmm. if you work in Canada for the NHL, guess what you get paid in? American. Mm-hmm. So well, you're already making 15 20% over anyway. And then on top of that, I mean, you know, American teams have to take money out of paychecks for health insurance. Which oh, yeah. just gets taken out of everybody's like paycheck and taxes in Canada, <laughs> right? And like Pat said, you know, you're 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 paying in 31 other cities, right? Because there's there used to be that whole stupid, I don't know if it still exists or not, but there Nashville was like the nightmare city to go into because there was some entertainment tax or something. No, oh, Vegas. There would be one in Vegas. That I don't remember the exact. And I'm sure there's people probably screaming at their speakers or their headsets or in their cars looking normal, screaming at this. There's some <laughs> stupid thing that there was like an entertainer tax that a certain percentage, if you played as an away team, you had to pay to play almost. And so there had to be a reimbursement from either the team or the league or something to to the teams to recover. For, I mean, it was just something ridiculous. They'll get their money, kids. And if you have smart people working for you financially, they'll get less of it. And if you front load your deals, you can take the hit once and then shelter the rest of it. I mean, I'm oh, okay. I, I'm trying to, I'm just writing down the rants that I have, and I'm now on my third page. <laughs> I don't well, think I... we'll be short of any episodes this summer, is what I'm saying. And then, and then there's, there's the. You're talking about hockey players who all they want to do is play. 
And they're probably not really thinking about that. Their agents might be, their accountants might be, but the players who themselves who are signing these deals are like, that's more than I got last time. I'm okay with that. <laughs> I will say I do think that's shifting. I, I think we too. saw it with Austin Matthews. I think we saw it with Sebastian Ajo, and I love it. Because... I mean, they should. They, they should be more yeah. more concerned about that kind of stuff. I'm not saying that they shouldn't. I'm just saying that, that for the longest time, none of them really cared. Yeah, and I... Um, I don't know if I've brought it up on here before, but one of my favorite 30 for 30s was Broke. Yes. Which was, they walked through quite a number of athletes from various sports and guys who, you know, had ridiculous contracts way back in the late 80s and early 90s and so forth, and actually even into the 70s in some cases, and showed you how these guys blew all that money and how they got taken for it and what not only they're doing as individuals, but also the leagues that they were working in are doing. So I think that shift, um, I think, I think we're kind of in that first generation of that post bling bling shift. If that makes any sense where guys were burning through that cash and not thinking that, you know, the, the whole thing centers around as an adult, I'm in, you know, I'm in my late forties. I've been working in, for 30 some odd years I've got another 20 or so to earn my lifetime potential these guys have to do it in 10 if they're lucky 10 right it, that's exactly it so I mean that's the whole sort of thing right so you'll see you start to see that paradigm shift in thinking so I think that kind of leads into Pat I agree with you is you know these these guys are starting to think and it may not be them specifically but the people that are around them, whether it's the agents and maybe it is a little bit them getting educated, um, how to take care of themselves better financially going forward. I mean, just look at Matthew Shane. He was wise enough to invest in real estate in a in a lovely south, southern city, and it just so happens he now has a future home he can move into. <laughs> Funny how that works, isn't it? Yeah, it, it's, I mean, honestly, it's probably a wiser strategy than just investing in, you know, your cottage for the summer. Oh, yeah, I 100% agree. You know, I'm, prime example is look at Zidane Ochara, right? <laughs> guy's, got his, guy's got his professional real estate license. He's ready to go. And I think he's already done deals, and I think he may own property in some way, shape, or form. I mean, there's there's right. guys out there that have that have invested in their post hockey futures, yeah. and it's nice to see. Well, and and a lot of that too is um, the other paradigm shift is social media, and they're not really able to go out and blow that money in ways that people used to in the 80s and 90s <laughs> because they'd get caught on camera so they'd get tmz to no end yeah yeah so so there's also a lifestyle shift that's involved in that as well i mean i'm not saying that they don't still do stupid stuff they just do it mostly in other people's houses i think <laughs> Yeah, more than likely. Well, oh, these these kids today, these millennials. <laughs> All right, get off my lawn. No comment. Trying to trying to save all their money so they can buy their avocado toast. I mean, what the hell? <laughs> Why aren't they buying diamonds? Damn it. Avocados are more. Avocados are a. Uh, or a short-term big gain investment. Buying houses. How the hell? All, all, all the things that millennials are killing. Yeah, exactly. Jesus. <laughs> what art? I, I think the better question is what art millennials killing, according to mainstream media and all the angry people. I'm not <laughs> a millennial, and I'm I'm like you guys. No, stop with these millennials are killing this crap. I know, right? Well, and they don't even know the difference between like millennials and the generation after them. So everybody's right. millennials. Right. And, uh, <laughs> I, I think I, I technically fall into the uh, category which I really dislike. Um, eh. But we're trying to kill off 200 hockey men, you know? 
Oh, speaking of which, Uh-oh. dun dun dun. Tom Dundon? Dun no, there's been <laughs> there's been some bloodletting at Sportsnet in Canada recently. Ah uh, yes. And there's some speculation starting to float around that part of it is um we might be down to 199 hockey men. <gasps> no, they'll find another one. They always do. Some player will retire and he'll become a hockey man. I don't know about that one. I don't think so. You're, no? it's the, there is some... The last time I heard, he went year to year, Don Cherry. Oh, right, yes. And they might not be renewing his year. This year. Which is... Eh, you know, he's mid-80s, I believe, at this point. And he's still a pretty big ticket, even though he's not out there and on TV that much. He's still a pretty big salary ticket to them. Mm-hmm. So it would be very interesting to see. No more old man. They'll find another old man to uh, yell at clouds. Just a younger Bernie. old man. Which is fine, because at least... Uh, you know the NHL progresses at a glacial pace, right? Mm-hmm. So that's this would be the next logical step, right? Would be Burke, because Burke is progressive in some areas when it comes to the social side of the game, far more than Don Cherry. So I'd almost take it. Yes, he still has the truculence and rawr, you know that kind of crap, but it's almost like okay, I can live with that because the other stuff, but you know. I don't know. No Mike Milberry moving to Canada? Um, no, Sam Flood loves him for some reason, so he probably has a lifetime deal. I Exactly. <sighs> I, no one can explain to me why Sam Flood loves him. Nobody can. I, I, nobody, I think he's got pictures of Sam and some farm animal <laughs> or something. I don't know what the hell it is. I, honest to God, I don't. <clears throat> I don't, I, I just, that is just such a mind-boggling one. Well, I hope and I pray. I'd heard talk about uh, Cherry and how this, you know, m- most conventional thinking is he'll get some sort, of, some sort of swan song a la Bob Cole this year. And I think it'd be better if he didn't. I think from what I've seen and read about him off camera, I think he would prefer that he didn't. Yep. But um, it would be interesting to see how the white haired gentleman from north of the border react and how it affects the bottom line for Sportsnet through the end of their contract. Because I would imagine their ratings take a hit on Saturdays. I don't know. I don't know. I think he's I I think the the clickbait factor is no longer there with him. Because I think there and there's been a couple people we've talked to that sort of brought this up is is you can't continue to appeal to the older audience. And if you continue to skew older, you're going to skew yourself out of ratings. Right. Mm-hmm. And the only way to get out of that is to start taking the steps to skew younger. And you're not going to do that by having old man yells at cloud that gets muted, you know, by the the demographic you need to you need to reel in. And the I'm biggest, not it. The right? biggest entertainment. Um attraction of Don Cherry is what upholstery he happens to be wearing that night. And that's and that's, and that's just, pretty much it. <laughs> and it's not even that, it's it's getting past that point where that's even entertaining to a certain degree. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, like I said, I just, just from my small sample size of, of interactions, I don't know anyone in their 30s that, that enjoys watching him outside of the hockey bros and and I write them off anyway 
Yeah. Uh, I don't know too many people outside, you know. I'm just thinking the two hockey guys from Letterkenny. Um, that would be about it. And I'm hopeful they don't try and recreate it with Burke. I, I, I would rather them go complete 180 and do something different. Like not have a single quote-unquote analyst do anything. Just, just bring me something interesting. Bring me a feature of the week. Yeah, I don't know what they'd fill it with because, you know, there's many things I could think of that I would rather fill it with, but I don't know if any of them they would attempt to do because, again, the entire sport moves at a glacial pace, and that includes broadcast. And, you know, bless their little hearts, Fox trying to do things with the robots and the glow puck sure got mocked, but at least they tried Right. Yeah. I I would I personally would rather see you try and whatever fails you slough off or or reconfigure and try and bring back and whatever succeeds don't hammer it into the ground. But yeah. as we all know that never happens. Right. Yeah. When you look at Sportsnet taking over the contract, you know, they tried George Stephanopoulos and Strombo, not Strombo. Strombo. Yeah. It just did not work for whatever reason, and then they just turtled back to what everyone knew and loved. And I air quotes around love. Um, Stop the hate. Was, but, was, was Canada's hockey dad, Ron McLean, which is yeah. fine, you know. Yeah, I don't yeah. mind Ron McLean. I mean, it'd be nice if they could keep him on in, in some fashion, even without Don Cherry, especially without Don Cherry. Well, it'd be nice to see how he, like, would blossom. <laughs> Well, that's, I mean, that was the whole point of the hometown hockey stuff was um, because Strombo was going to be doing the in-host stuff for Saturday nights, um, right? They wanted him there for hockey night, for, for Coach's Corner, but he had his own show for the hometown hockey thing, which was totally fine. But you know, like you said, they turtled and caved on the Strombo thing because they could never get it to work. Because they still had too many people doing the old hockey man thing and trying to get Stromo to be an old hockey man when that's not his gig. They almost should have inverted it, right? Left Ron in the, left Ron in the studio and let Strombo do a weekly interview because that guy kills in interviews. Yeah, he does. Oh, my God. He, is, he gets stuff out of people that you can't imagine. So have him do the weekly sit-down. Right, I mean that's what that should have been. I okay, I don't want to start on that whole thing too because that was what four years ago, five years ago. Yeah. It's typical of hockey though of the NHL where they actually make a, a a lame attempt at trying something different, and then when it doesn't go as well as they expect, they like revert instantly back to how it used to be. They run home to mama. Yeah. Mhm. So. I mean, I I have no. I actually like um, Ron McLean a lot, and I do like him in that Sunday role with hometown hockey. I'd rather see them turn it over to David Amber full time on Saturdays. Um, Ron for me is very much like a Bob Costas, where he did his job, he did it very well. I was never. Um, put off by anything that he produced and it, it kind of lives a, a, a good feeling when you're watching our broadcast but there's it's just time for a change and with the new president there's a new president at Sportsnet who's kind of leading this whole change as they're I guess they're going after some other sports contracts which is the reason for the bloodletting some of it yeah um you know, change the tides. I mean, they're pushing digital stuff, but I mean, what broadcast corporation isn't? Bring those personnel. <laughs> Major League Baseball is the one that's it, they're the they're the uh, cautionary tale at this point for the NHL <laughs> about talk about like trying to get younger and, and appealing to a younger demographic. <laughs> well, that that's the people that run the the sport. I, I think one of the funny things about baseball is. They do have broadcasters that will work games, 
for and they'll have people that work for teams at the same time you know their espn sunday night crew has two people they're 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 commentators and alex rodriguez and um jessica mendoza i don't watch a lot of baseball but yeah, um, I think they work. Cool. They work for the. They are under contract with the Yankees and the Mets, respectively. And I kind of like that. I I think this concept of you know inherent bias and if you can do a job and do a job well, just put put these people on. Because um, you know Mike Milbury is going to be a homer every time he's working a Bruins broadcast. Is he not? I mean, he was working playoff games. He's going to be a homer every broadcast he works because the Boston Bruins are the greatest franchise ever because he played for them and he beat a man with a shoe <laughs> while wearing a Bruins uniform. And we don't talk about the time with the Islanders, although I'll continue to bring it up and tell you how great I was as a general manager, even though it was with the Island. No, shut up. I didn't work for the Islanders. I was a great general manager before. Even though I wasn't <laughs> really. I was I played for Boston. Boston's the greatest. You know, that's kind yeah, of... Yeah, I do. I, the, the, the only thing I do like about Mike Milbury is the story with the shoe. I think that's a great story. But other than that, no. <laughs> yeah. So I just think we're reaching kind of a apex of... If, if the new U.S. Uh, broadcast deal, whenever it's signed with however many networks it ends up being, hopefully... Um, and then these changes at Sportsnet, let's not completely um, put a fresh coat of paint on the same old barn. Let's just do something just slightly different. Just a new voice, reconfigure the panel. For God's sakes, I, I always switch over to headlines every Sunday. Give me, you know, give me that every week versus, you know, a poor man's Don Cherry slash Brian Burke. So, I miss I miss the hot stove. Yeah, hot stove was good. Yeah, the hot stove was good. Um, I didn't always love some of the personalities. I I still enjoy Kiprios on there. I like Friedman. I like the old hot stove. Yeah, the phoners, especially when they had John Davidson in there. Oh well, and John John he, Davidson just needs to be on TV more. Yeah. Well, some, something tells me he'll be on MSG broadcasts. Which is fine. I get MSG. From time to, from time, to time. Same. Um, I could just do without, like, your Glenn Healy's. He's gone. Well, a rights holder in the U.S. could always bring him on. I don't think that'll happen. He's, yeah, too, busy with happen. The, he's too busy with the PA and the Alumni Association. So. And not being on Sportsnet or TSN. Yeah, <laughs> and I don't miss it. Nor do I. Although I would take PJ Stock back. He was kind of entertaining. Um, PJ was entertaining. PJ was hella entertaining. Colby's entertaining too. Colby, mm -hmm. yep, get, fantastic. Now get Colby on a hot stove. That would get, be interesting. Just get Colby off of Pittsburgh broadcast and get him on normal broadcast. TSM National. Yeah. yeah, well. Because he, he actually subbed or did something on an NBCSN one night. And it was fantastic. Yeah. Absolutely fantastic. Get that. More Colby. <laughs> the world needs more Colbys. So what you're, saying, what you're saying is some broadcast rights holder needs to build a studium, studio in Pittsburgh rather than somewhere in the middle of Connecticut. Uh, or just meet him halfway. Philly? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there are enough studios in New Jersey. Or Jersey. Yeah, Jersey works too. Yeah. I'm, I'm down with it. I'm hellaciously down with it. <clears throat> so I want to wrap this up with a, a, a throwback question. And we touched on it, and I'm going to take away the one answer we all sort of agreed on. <laughs> from your childhood whenever that may have been mine was a very long time ago as we've established many times um, or just your knowledge of hockey who's one player you think could make it in today's game from that past and I'm taking out we all agreed Forsberg could 
Who's so someone this, else? Is this going to be the episode that we actually like become a Peter Forsberg stan episode? No, no, we're oh. gonna no, no, no. <laughs> we all agreed Peter Forsberg was one player that could play in any era. Who is one player from the past that could play today? Follow us on Twitter at 3v3 Podcast. This has been the 3v3 Podcast, sponsored by Nobody. <laughs>